Welcome to Movies Trials Unseen, episode 39. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1980 movie, The Shining. So Charles, tell us about The Shining. Okay, so The Shining is about uh, a man who gets a job as a hotel caretaker while the hotel is shut down for the winter. Uh, and he brings his family with him and they're completely alone in isolation in this hotel. Um, and it appears that he, that the hotel has some kind of psychic link uh, with uh, the past um, and so all the past events start manifesting themselves in the man and his son he starts to go insane and repeat um, stuff in the past that happened at this hotel and it just so happens that one of the prior caretakers of the hotel uh, murdered his family with an axe before killing himself so I guess some of this like psychic stuff started um, enticing Jack to start performing these acts. And so, yeah, he, he snaps, he goes insane, he starts trying to kill his family, um, but his son is pretty wily and manages to escape <laughs> him in the snowy labyrinth, and the wife is also pretty crafty and uh, manages to fend him off, and so he ends up freezing to death in the labyrinth, and the wife and son get away. Yeah, so it's another happy ending. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Are you able to speak to why the movie is called The Shining? I mean, the the guy, the chef guy, explained that Shining <coughs> is like the name for their psychic connection power. Yeah, that's good. Not a lot of people get that the first time. <laughs> oh, really? Because he like but says he outright it. explains it. Yeah, so it if still you're not gets paying attention, you'll miss movie. it. Okay, I, I guess I hadn't encountered that phenomenon. Like I, but I remember when I first watched this movie, I was like, oh, okay, that's why it's called that. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this was my pick. It was. Um, for the, our first uh, movie in our theme month, our horror October, um, I, I mean, it's just one of the you know cornerstone horror movies, right? Like it's something you need to have seen, especially if you want to know anything about uh, horror and how it functions. Um, I also picked it because apparently Charles is a Kubrick fan now, so I thought <laughs> you might actually like this one. I wanted to actually like I had your preferences in mind. Um, here, right. so I'm curious, like how this one landed for you uh, relative to you've seen two Kubrick movies at this point, right? You said 2001, 2001, Clockwork Orange. Right. I've seen Full Metal Jacket. And full, well. Okay, so this is number four. Yeah. Okay, so how did how did this one land for you? you got got the big ones. Yeah, like, yeah, those are his. And, um, and Eyes Wide Shut. I love Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Okay. Not the big one, but. Okay. <laughs> I definitely like this one. Okay, good. Uh, it's a little hard to think about because it was a horror movie, right? And so I'm like a little shaken by it. Okay, so you um, were you were scared. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Um, so <laughs> it's hard to gauge like how I actually feel about it because there's this like negative reaction of fear and disgust. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, visually this movie was incredible, and that's what yeah. I expect from a Kubrick film. And you know, it it did that in spades for me. So. I at least got that much out of it, besides like being scared out of my mind. <laughs> I, I hear that. Were yeah. you scared out of your mind? So, <laughs> I think he started off with the scariest thing because you see like the girls and the quick shots of them like murdered with the axe and the blood all over the walls. Yeah, I think that was the scariest <laughs> thing in the whole movie, and that was really got me. Like a lot of these <coughs> scary movies, you know, I watch them and they don't necessarily bother me. Like you know. I get the feeling of intensity, but not the feeling of fear. That's what happened with Alien or The Thing. Sure. But then I watched this, and I was fucking scared. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Now, for a lot of it, I, I wasn't as scared as I expected. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, when he's chasing after them with his axe. Um, that's more of a typical, like, I don't know, action sort of thing, yeah. I guess. I don't Almost know. like a it standard horror movie. Right. Right, right yeah. Um, but there was that. Um, when Wendy is going through the golden room at the end, and it's, like, filled with cobwebs all of a sudden. And, and you skeletons. See all the and all the, the skeletons of the wealthy people. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but that scene really got to me, because there was just something so creepy and unsettling about it. Um, but I had this weird sensation that I actually never felt before, this like weird chilling feeling. I, I'm so glad you're raising that point. Um, so I did a little bit of research after viewing it this time around, and I found a video um, from the lessons from the screenplay guy. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Have I seen those? Uh, I've seen some I of those videos. I think you referenced it before. Yeah, it's a series of YouTube videos, and he did one on The Shining. And one of the points he raises is about creepiness. Yeah. as distinct from horror, okay. right? How horror is, like there's this immediate threat that is going to yeah. you know, kill you or maim you or do something, some bad thing to you. Whereas creepiness, which is what, for this guy, The Shining evokes, is about the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. It's about being in a situation where something doesn't make sense or something is presented as amb ambiguous and you not being able to recognize it as a threat or not, mm -hmm. right? And that happens many times in this movie, right? Like when he is, like when you first have the shot looking into room 237, mm -hmm. and it's just like a brightly lit, normal looking hotel room, but it's but still- like, what's gonna happen when the door opens a little more? Right, but like why is this presented as something weird? Why are the music cues telling me that something threatening is yeah. happening here, right? Um, he talks about how, uh, speaking of the music, that you'll get like a hit where you would normally expect like a jump scare or something in another horror movie and nothing happens, right? It's just like uh -huh. there's a spike in the music and the movie continues as normal. The guy continues pedaling his bike down the, the hallway or whatever. You're like, wait, why? Why was that there? Conversely, there'll be moments where you would expect the music to jump and it just stays the same. So mm -hmm. like when Danny is looking at the door, nothing's there, cuts back to Danny, cuts back to the door again and the twins are standing there, nothing changes sonically. Right, it's still the same music playing yeah. throughout. And he, he draws a distinction between the beginning of the movie, which you identified as the scariest part, and the end of the movie, which is comparatively less scary. And mm -hmm. I agree, and I think most viewers would. And the theory is that the reason it functions that way is we don't know what's going on. We don't right. know what the threatening thing is at the beginning of the movie. We just know that it's there. Mm -hmm. We know that something strange is happening, but we can't identify its nature. Right. And that's what's terrifying about it. Like, and for me, well, I, I guess it's not a, just for me, but like something I notice a lot of movies do is they show something really disturbing or scary at the start. Yeah. Uh, this happened to me for Prometheus as well, um, where you see the, the grossest thing at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the entire movie, I'm always wondering what the director is willing to do. Yeah. Or what is available in their hand. After that. Um, like, I wonder, are they going to top the grossness of these dead bodies and blood splatter all over the wall? Um, somehow, and so the entire time, I'm afraid that you're going to see something even more disturbing than that. And that puts me on edge for the rest of the movie after seeing that. Right, they prime you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think this movie kind of does that, um, where they identify pretty early on that... Uh, that Danny has magic psychic powers or whatever, like you know something supernatural is going on mm -hmm. pretty early in the movie. 
uh, you know that there is some sort of uh, a presence that causes that caused the earlier caretaker to go insane. Mm -hmm. And they also cast Jack Nicholson, who's like just <laughs> naturally crazy looking. So like, you know, like it, Kubrick tells you right off the bat, yes, it's going to go badly. Yes, this guy is not going to make it. Yes, he's going to go crazy at some point. But you still don't. It's still ambiguous as to how he gets to that point, right? Yeah. And like how he goes crazy and why. Absolutely. And like that's what makes it so creepy. Like beyond just scary, creepy. And I think that it's it's important to draw that distinction. I don't know. How do you feel about this movie? Uh, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, it's incredible. Okay. Um, there's few faults in this movie. Yeah. One of them is maybe that's a little long, but um, it's cool. I think you need the build up. Yeah. I think the build up actually worked. Yeah. Like one thing I noticed was I actually found myself really terrified about what was in room two thirty seven. Right. And there was enough lead up to it that it mattered. Yep. A lot of times you see them mention something and I just think, haha, that's just so obvious. Right. Oh, I'm supposed to be scared of this thing because they told me. And they kind of did it in this movie. They told me to be scared of this thing, except that it fully worked. As soon as he, like, <laughs> is biking down the hall and he sees room 237, I had this, like, you know, this feeling in my chest. Of, right, like, that's just the key in the like, door. Oh, my God, yeah. Right, and then he, like, right, that too. Like, he sees it yeah. first and it's locked and he comes back later and the door is open and it's just like, oh, right. God. Right. right, and there's this huge open question, not just about what is in room 237, but who opened the door. Yeah. Right, and it never, like, exactly answers who right. opened the door. Like it's, well, it's, we do see it later when yeah. Nicholson goes in. Right, yeah, like, and he's uh, able to open it. Right, and so, like, it's a safe guess that he did it the first time around, but, yeah, exactly. Who, well, who really knows? I, I don't know, because later in the movie, Nicholson is locked in a food supply closet, yep. and the ghosts, like, let him out. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the ghosts, that, that like says a few things about this universe within this film, that the ghosts are real, yes, and they can interact with physical objects. So they're not yeah. like Ghostbusters ghosts where they like, <laughs> they like <laughs> yeah. pass through things. Yeah. Um, I mean, but so. even that has been questioned uh, on some degree because there's the moment with, what's the, what's the uh, cook's, the chef's name? Scatman Crothers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scatman Crothers. Dick Holleran? It's Scatman <laughs> Crothers. I know that's the actor's yeah. name. But that, I mean, that just sounds like a name that should be all of his characters, uh, no, matter his name <laughs> is no matter what movie he's in. Holleran. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He he, when he's explaining The Shining to Danny, he says, yeah. The Shining is connected to, some people know that they have it, it's connected to some places, but some people don't know that they have it. Yeah. And there's these little hints throughout the movie that Jack and Wendy may also possess the shining power and just be in yeah. the, these cat this category of people that don't realize that they have it. Yeah. Uh, so when Wendy is able to see all the, the you know, ghosts and stuff that happens at the end of the movie, that's a clue. There's um, She's a late adopter, yes. though, because she doesn't yeah. see ghosts until the very end of the film. And yeah. I forgot if she even did or not. Um, she oh, well, she sees the room. It. Yeah, she sees the room with all the she, she skeletons the and cobwebs. She yeah, but that doesn't blood. happen until the very right. end yeah. of the yes. film, yes. like the last yeah, twenty she minutes. She doesn't see even. any of the other stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, apparently there's a shot where uh, that looks like a continuity error, um, where you have it, it's when Jack Nicholson is yelling at her and being like being really insulting about not coming into my space when I'm working. Yeah, there's a shot behind her looking at Nicholson, and you can see the wall behind Nicholson. One shot, there's nothing against the wall. Next shot, there's like a table and chairs. Hmm. And there's like no way on God's green earth that Cooper could make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that just wouldn't happen. <laughs> Which suggests that there's something else going on that is causing mm -hmm. objects to move around. 
because we know that The Shining, you can communicate telepathically, but also telekinetically. Yeah. And, and so, like, there's these weird little hints throughout the movie that there, there are other people or things that can do yeah. what Danny does on some level. Uh, so, which just increases the ambiguity, right? Like, it just makes this even more strange and unsettling mm -hmm. and disquieting. Yeah, so, yes, <laughs> this is a hell of a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Like, one of the best. I'm, I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Is this your favorite Kubrick? Um, probably, yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good yeah. I think it's actually one of the most accessible Kubrick films. It's it probably his most popular. Yeah. Right? Uh, this yeah, it's his Doctor most like normie film. Yeah, this yeah. or Doctor Strangelove, right? I think is. Yeah. Is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Doctor <laughs> I, I feel like really a lot good. of his catalog gets referenced so much that it's hard to tell which one's the most popular one. Well, and uh, even Clockwork Orange, right? Like that. That inspired Halloween costumes, like that. <laughs> that movie's going to be pretty popular too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's because it has like a more well-defined style. Yeah. Yeah. That movie has a, a unique look. I mean, unique in a literal way. Um, so yeah, I guess it's kind of hard to say. So like all Kubrick films, this had a disastrous production in that oh, yeah. Kubrick is a horrible tyrant yes. throughout making this film. <laughs> Especially yeah. to Shelley Duvall. And it stretched he on for a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nicholson also is not a fan of Kubrick um, because the script kept changing. And yep. so he like didn't even bother to read lines until they were about to shoot them. Yeah, like, there's a yeah. video of him saying that on set. He's like, yeah. oh, I don't even read the script anymore. I just read whatever they tell me that day, or whatever <laughs> they show me that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was apparently a complete tyrant well, to work with. And, and this has the dubious distinction of uh, the, the scene, the, the dialogue scene with the most takes in cinematic history. Which the one is that? It's takes? the most takes, the most attempts. Like the most redid it? Yeah, it's the one where um, Shelley Duvall is swinging the baseball bat and bouncing backwards up the stairs. Gotcha. Uh, Nicholson there. That's uh, a long scene. It's a, it's a long scene, and it's, I imagine, emotionally and physically exhausting for Shelley Duvall. Yeah. And he had her do it 127 times. Jeez. And yep. it's also shot both directions, yep. too. So, yep. like, they have to shoot Nicholson's direction and <laughs> her direction. Yep. Hundred. I think that's the number, 127 And then they go times. and use the first one, right? Yeah, yeah right. Well, I think we got it. No. <laughs> so, yeah. There's no way it could work that. <laughs> yeah, it's right. impossible. Yeah. Um, um, so she, I mean, she, she was essentially abused for the duration of, of this filming. She, uh, re-watching this, I was like, Shelley Duvall does not look great in this one. She, <laughs> she looks bedraggled. Like, she looks like she's been living in this crazy mansion. Her for acting, though, is like... I, I, I hate to pick on actors, it, it, and particularly yeah. actors who are already being picked on by a director, but yep. she's not good in this movie. And she gets yeah. criticized a lot. You are not alone in that critique. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, uh, also, can we like get her like a track coach her I was, running I was just about to mention that maybe the worst running ever caught on film literally flailing her arms back I didn't yeah. I didn't notice yeah. like her acting being particularly bad but I noticed how weird her run looked yeah yes it, it kind of took me out of it for a little Not bit a runner. how silly it looked yeah there's a, yeah I remember, I remember noting there was a moment where she's running with the knife or the baseball bat or something and her arms are literally <laughs> flailing back and forth and she's like I don't dog she comes running from up the like, stairs. She looks like a wacky wave and inflatable arm. Yeah. She's like a seventies kid though, right? So this yeah. is like pre jogging being popular <laughs> like in American culture. So maybe she, this is the first Yogging. time she's run anywhere. She, this might be the first time she's ever run. Like 
Like, also, it's so clearly the first time she's ever swung a baseball bat. Yeah, she, she's really she, chokes up on the yeah. bat there. Yeah, she <laughs> does not de believably defend herself from a she, insane Nicholson. She knocks him on the head pretty good there. She yeah. does, in a very, like, <laughs> either the luckiest out. shot in the world or... Yeah. Yeah, the conceit of her being able to hit Nicholson with a baseball bat does not feel believable. She had the, hub, no, she had the, the upper ground. supernatural ghosts... Yeah, there you go. The ghosts are more believable than her swinging <laughs> a baseball bat. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she catches a lot of shit. Um, I don't. She wasn't as awful for me this time around. Like, I, I think I was really. She was less, worse for me. This, oh, really? This time around. Okay, maybe uh, particularly I was... the scene with the doctor at the beginning. Yeah, what yeah. felt it was painfully shot. Mm, yeah, like it was like one person talk and then like. 20 seconds of silence, <laughs> and then another person talking. I did I notice that, that editing that scene was bad. seemed a lot more static than much of this movie was. I, yeah. That's that's a horror movie trope, though, right? Like, stilted, weird dialogue and odd acting choices at the beginning of movies. I think I pointed this out in the thing, and I think that that is a good example of it. Is this, like, because you, you, yeah. you see Nicholson doing it here, too. Okay, so that that's more believable right. as a Nicholson part, because he's right. like, like a TV dad at the beginning of this movie. Right, for like, <laughs> like when he 15 like, minutes. Um, there's a scene where they're introducing them to the apartments, and right. he like pushes on the bed, and he's like, yeah. um, and then they look at the kids' room, and he's like, a great room for, for a, a child, child. or right. something along those lines. Right, right, right. but yeah. I think... trying to show his transformation. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, but he looks like a happy, like, sitcom TV dad. He mm -hmm. looks like he's faking it. Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. He looks like he's faking it. And yeah. as you learn more about the character, it becomes clear that he almost certainly is faking it. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't actually believe these things. He kind of hates his son. Like, he is overtly hostile to his wife. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that's what's going on there, is that, that that is a very intentional choice on Kubrick's and, and Nicholson's part to make this character seem a little bit deranged uh, yeah. to begin with, but deranged in a different way <laughs> than how he ends up at the end of the movie. And, uh, and Stephen King, too, to yeah. his credit. Yeah, well, yeah. Yes, King had an interesting response to this movie. A very poor one. Yeah, he didn't like um, that Kubrick changed like a whole bunch of shit, apparently, because yes. the, the book is a lot about King's alcoholism mm -hmm. and like his own struggle with overcoming that. And that um, does show up in the movie, but it's not the like overarching theme. Right, yeah. Well, and the alcoholism in this movie is just a stand-in for like, some of the big, fat metaphors that, uh, yeah. that Kubrick is dealing with here. He, King also didn't like casting Jack Nicholson because he felt like Nicholson just got done shooting uh, Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Have you seen that, Charles? No. It's very good. Um, so <laughs> King thought that the tension in the movie should have been, oh, is this guy going to go crazy or not? And when you cast Jack Nicholson, the answer is, of course you this guy is going to go crazy. It's Jack yeah. Nicholson. Uh, well, I think that... Whereas, like, a Tom Hanks character might be, like, more interesting. Right. I, but I think that... Jimmy Stewart. That, yeah. That's yeah, misjudged. He was I think still alive at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's misunderstanding the movie that Kubrick is making. Which yes. is understandable from King, because he was obviously... He wrote the book. Like, he knows what he was wanting to do there. It's hard to separate that. Uh, when you watch the it, film. It's also like one yeah. of the all-time great performances. Yes, yes. Like, it, it really like It's is. the highlight of Nicholson's career, mm -hmm. of a really good career. It probably is. Yeah. I mean, I think that Chinatown is up there, but... Uh, Departed, as a, Depart his role in The Departed is also yeah, I, yeah, incredible. That's, that's um, true. Um, but this... This is a better movie than The Departed. Yeah. You sound hesitant. I think this is confident. I, I mean, I like <laughs> the, I, I think <laughs> The Departed's a good movie. I so do too, like, I do yeah. too. But, um, yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. This is probably his best solo, like standalone as a performance, mm -hmm. his best performance. Yeah, that might be why it contrasts so hard with Chili Duval. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, your acting against Nicholson is probably It's probably challenging. hard, yeah. Yeah, challenging. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Kubrick. Yeah, no kidding. These are two very forceful. The, the Kubrick factor is, like, very important. Yeah, very, two very forceful male entities in the same space at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to... Pushing her into the corner. Yeah, in yeah, literal sense, a lot of ways. Yeah. So the, the kid, Danny, apparently didn't know that he was in a horror film right, that's it, at yeah, all. Yeah, the popular... They somehow hid it from him? Yeah. yeah they, they told they him it was just a just drama. had no idea. Well, I'm guessing he's not in the bloody hallway, so... Yeah, he recorded yeah. this when... Um, or he filmed this when he was, like, 12, I think. Yeah. And he didn't see the movie until he was 16. Might yeah. be best for him. Probably. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not Even for kids. Even 16-year-olds, like, kind of... It's all pushing yeah. it. Yeah. 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 16-year-olds yeah, are child. Not. I remember saying rated R movies at that point. But right. Um, this is a messed up movie. Yeah. This is a messed up movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he didn't... He, not until he saw did it. He, did he do the uh, voice himself? I assume so. It looks like voice? he does. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. yeah. Although it I It seemed a little cheesy to me. Yeah, that, I mean, that was... I don't know, it worked for me. Like, I think yeah. that's creepy as shit. Like, I think that it's it's kind of scary, that, that voice that he gets up. It took me out of it a little bit, because it always felt like a kid doing a cheesy voice. Because yeah, oh, it was. Oh, especially when he starts screaming it, like, to wake up Shelley Duvall. Mm -hmm. um, that moment, like, it's just, there's something so unsettling and just, again, like, it, it sounds and looks threatening, but you can't identify what the threat is. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what was happening in that moment. I was like, that, that was creepy. I don't, I don't know if it was just my internet connection, but I did notice some of the scenes, like the sound being off a little, slightly. Oh, it wasn't just me then? Yeah. Oh, really? So at the inter interview uh, in particular, at the beginning of the movie, and when he's riding around on the bike, on the tricycle, yeah. on the carpet, like it, it didn't line up totally with... I playing with around with the audio settings on my TV because I wondered if there's something wrong with the syncing somehow. Yeah, because it's very distinct that like, he visually is on carpet and off carpet well, and it's, on it's carpet famous, and off like, carpet. It's one of the more famous bits of sound design probably in cinema. Yeah, and it yeah. didn't totally line up in my oh, really? viewing. I didn't, so I I didn't know if it was anything. just like, I yeah. was streaming I think, on Netflix. I guess we both watched the Netflix one. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like the sound was off enough that I very distinctly noticed it. Yeah, um, although I, I do want to interject, uh, since we mentioned Netflix, this movie we all watched on Netflix, but is leaving Netflix on October 1st. Which oh. is the day we're posting this episode. Yeah. So, so, sorry, audience. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go find But I'm sure else. it'll be on TV because it's you, October. You're going yeah. to take it off for October? That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't so. make any sense. But I noted that. It said it on the screen, oh, leaving October 1st. I was like, come on. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, before I forget, I wanted to remember. Also, when uh, yeah. Jack was throwing the ball against the wall, um, the, the sound was, was like two seconds after it hit the wall. Oh, I... I missed this entire. Usually, I have a pretty good eye for audio sync problems, eye and ear. But um, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't I notice. Know. They were them here. pronounced enough here that they were very. Yeah, it was enough that I noticed me. it and it bothered me. Yeah. 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 Oh well. But I figured that wasn't intentionally part of the movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> I doubt it. Um, the, um, this movie is structured really well in that it like it does a lot of good showing how things happen play out later. So things that happen yeah. earlier in the film are like important to like how things yeah. play out later. Most noticeably, when Shelley Duvall and Danny go into the maze, mm -hmm. yeah, and they're they're just kind of playfully going around it in the beginning. So then it makes a lot more sense later that Danny knows his way around the maze and Jack doesn't. Yeah, um, although which like gives him the sort of agency to escape. Right, although that scene yeah. also has juxtaposed with uh, Wendy and Danny in the maze, you have. 
Jack looking at the model of the maze. Yes. And like that was a the, beautiful scene. Right, this very like, threatening, kind of menacing way yeah. that he's like glowering yeah. at this at the maze. And like that is a cue. And you it. see the little versions of Yeah, yep. that, was a, yeah. that was a great shot. Like With that the maze taking shot. up the entire frame. Yep. That, that's so good. Yeah. That's that, why I love Kubrick. Yeah, that was a very quintessential Kubrick moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's all sorts of foreshadowing, really. Yeah, um, and like Shelley Duvall knows her way around the kitchen a lot more so, such that she's yeah. able to like imprison Jack for a short amount of time. Yeah, until the yeah. ghosts let him out. Well, he was knocked out. She just drags yeah. him in. Yeah. Yeah, but she also knew like where to put him. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's kind of like explained earlier because she's given Scott Man like takes her around the yes. kitchen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, that name. Yeah. <laughs> that is a that is a hell of a handle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it's it's just a well structured film, and the same way, like the way that uh, Kubrick uses the um, title cards, right? So you have the he interview. He really loves doing that. Yeah, he likes doing that. Um, and it this one in particular puts you like in a very particular moment in time, though, where it's like <coughs> Thursday and then four p.m. And, like, yeah. well, and that's just it because yeah. earlier in the movie, it's like, you know, he has the interview. He has the. Um, there's another one after that, but then there's like closing. the closing, yeah, closing day, and yeah. then several months later, and like there's these big gaps between them. But then as he's wrapping up the, the yeah. ramping up the tension of the film, you get them a lot more rapidly. I yes. noticed that because you see them narrowing down the time frame, so you yep. feel like they're approaching something yep, happening. You can feel the end coming. Yeah, um, and he does and that. So ratchets up the tension because you're yeah, like, very very yeah. clearly with those those title cards, um, yeah. and that's just good structure, good narrative beats. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of theories about this movie. Crazy theories. There's so, a documentary about the crazy theories. Right, which I haven't actually seen, but it's apparently really good. Um, it's okay. I, I thought okay. it would be better than it was. It's still, like, I think pre-2016, it was a much more, like, revelatory moment. Because okay. it's like, here, here's, like, all these crazy theories that people buy into. Yeah. Now that we, like live in the reality <laughs> where those people like control the government. Um, it's less amusing. Yeah, it's like less amusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, people believe crazy stuff about this, that it's like stuff about how minotaurs are real. I think that's, uh, that, I think there's yeah. some merit to that one. Not yeah. actually real, but like how they're, like minotaurs are referenced because you have uh, Jack Nicholson carrying an ax mm -hmm. with one leg that doesn't work that well through a maze chasing someone else who's trying to navigate the maze. Yeah, but when you hear the people talk yeah. about it, you're like, these people are Right, like, I'm sure well. they're, they're like <laughs> going beyond that, but I think yeah. that, like, especially like you have him bellowing at the end of this movie in a way that is beyond words. Like, there is, I think that reference is intentional. I don't think that whatever crazy stuff that these people make out of that is real. Yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's crazy, it's just that people read it in a way that like, little things that only they noticed have yeah. meaning. And mm -hmm. Kubrick is easy to read that way because there are like very important like symbolic things in the movie and he's known to be such like so careful about like every single choice in a movie. Okay. All the everything is framed so perfectly mm -hmm. such that you can like fold the film strip in half and it would be yep. like identical mm -hmm. from left to right. Yep. Then you get someone who's latches onto a detail and then, you know, their mind just goes wild because um, mm -hmm. there there are some things that like line up what they're saying but then the other half of this is this doesn't make sense <laughs> um, so the Minotaur one in particular like is spurred by during the interview there's like a poster for like skiing and there's like the graphic 
looks to this person like there's like a minotaur in the graphic and, the, and to them <laughs> yeah, yeah. to them that is the key for the rest of the film that this film is about minotaurs oh, no i don't think uh, that's legitimate okay, but so it, <laughs> it it sounds like this person is not well but it's based upon like sort of slim pieces of evidence that they like build over right. time right yeah. which is how conspiracy theories always work right yeah like yeah where, where there's like a rational moment to it that is that you can like yeah and then you can use that to like contradict or to ignore everything that contradicts Right, your, yeah, because once you're, yeah. like, attached to, like, an initial piece of evidence, like, you're not able to let go of something. Yeah. And um, then, like, <laughs> this is just as reasonable as, like, any other sort of odd conspiracy mm -hmm. theory. Yeah, the, um, the craziest one that I saw was, um, so at the beginning of the movie when he's yeah. about to go into the interview, he's reading a magazine. Yeah. Um, um, the magazine I is... I saw a comment about that. Yeah, it's a copy of Playgirl. Apparently, that copy of Playgirl has an article about incest in it, and therefore, this person thinks that not just was Danny physically abused, but also uh, sexually abused by his father. And therefore, every single thing that has any kind of phallic reference, any, anything at all that looks, that, that leads to, or suggests any kind of sexuality is a support of this theory <laughs> that um, he was sexually abusing his son. Yeah, I don't remember that being in the documentary, but there, there were some one. other ones that were like, very out there. Yeah. So I read um, a tiny bit of discussion about this, and they mentioned a bunch of these theories. And one of them was that it was Kubrick admitting that he doctored the moon landings. <laughs> yeah, that's the yes. that's the like, famous crazy really one. Really? Yeah. Made me do a double take. Um, so the the big piece of evidence for that is um, the shirt that Danny's wearing has yeah, an the Apollo NASA Apollo has a, shirt. Has an Apollo NASA shirt. All oh, right. Um, and then there's something to do with numbers. Like he, if you multiply the numbers of <laughs> of two, three, seven. It adds up to something significant, and there's a bunch of... I don't understand exactly how that ties in, but, yeah, that's the big one, is that he, this is a confession uh, for doctoring the moon landing video. Yeah. Uh, which is not true. Turns out we actually did go to the moon. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to say, like, the word crazy, but, like, th these are people who are, like, prone, very susceptible to conspiracy theories. Yes. Yes, and, and that's like often associated with mental illness. But yes. yeah, well, I, yeah. And I think that like part of yeah. that is it's it's kind of how we've been, or so it's how some people have been taught to engage with popular culture. Yes, right, like that you should be picking apart every little bit of it, that you should be trying to draw your identity from it, um, and to use that to assemble something that you can now make a movie about. And, and Kubrick like engages with yeah. that. Yeah, right. oh, because like there there are symbolic things in this movie that are right. The, the yeah, the legitimate one is, yeah. in my view, the the real one is the Native American thing. I think that is in the movie, for sure. That the, the that seems pretty clearly yeah. brought out. Yeah, um, I, I think the, that Kubrick is is pretty uh, explicit about it, um, and I think that if you start watching for it thematically and visually, it's it's all over. Yeah. Um, to unpack that a bit further, so this is one of a number of Stephen King films that engages with that oh, really? sort of mythology. Okay. Um, Pet Cemetery uses the same thing. Sure. And there, there's a few others. Um, and <coughs> King is also known to use the like problematic trope of like the black person who is magical, yeah. um, mm. which is in this film. Yes, it is. It's in The Green Mile. It's in a few other of his documents. Yep. Yeah, especially um, Green Mile. God. Because he's not. Yeah. Cause the guy in the Green Mile is not just magical. He's also 
uh, cognitively disabled. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, God. yeah. So it's like a, a two hitter. Yeah. There. Um, I'm not sure what to say with it now that it, like it doesn't for the for this film is like the most problematic part of the film. The Magic Black Man thing. Magic Black Man and the uh, Native American like our magic. Oh, do you think that's what's going on? I, I well, I mean, there's part of that, like Indian burial, burial ground and all that. Yeah, it's built on Indian burial ground such that there are now ghosts, like in, Wait, so in is like, this or, where like, the... like this is punishment for like, right, but, white crimes on. Native oh, that's American just it. Like, it's, I think it's made less problematic to me anyway because the clear messaging here is you did something wrong, you are being punished for it, like you are not acknowledging your crimes. Right, like it, it's pointing the finger quite clearly at white people and at America. That right, that might be true. I, I still think that like we don't need to see Native Americans as like magic. No, I get that. I, yeah, I, I, I hear you. And yeah, yeah. So what I, what I was wondering is is the <laughs> Indian burial ground burial ground trope from this, or was it already no, established no, before the, that? This pre, I'm sure it predates this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And again, like Stephen King recycles that in okay. Pet Cemetery. Um, yeah. In, have you seen Pet Cemetery? No. Have you? No. <laughs> so I haven't seen the movie, but I've read the book. Okay. I know the movie is known for opening on a toddler getting hit by a semi-trailer. Right. <laughs> um, which happens kind of like partway through the book. Um, so they just cut right to the chase. <laughs> yeah. So what, what happens in Pet Cemetery is that like the, the creatures and people that you bury in the Pet Cemetery come back to life. But they're like tainted, and then yeah. like evil things happen. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So Stephen King like uses this quite okay. a bit. Yeah. Um, I, part of that's also that he's a Maine writer, and like there, you know, there used to be a lot of like Native American tribes in Maine. Yeah. Um, okay. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> yeah. mostly wiped out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's some specific guilt there. I, I, I mean, I think part of it is that you don't actually see Native people represented as ghosts. Right, it's the being a ghost almost seems like a curse, right? It's, yes. Right, like it's it's something that was inflicted upon these people, yeah. Um, rather than having a specific native character show up and say, "Look at this bad thing you did." Yeah, they do avoid it, like yeah. actually like showing an American, but well, the, the reference is still like there. But they yeah. they avoid it not just in the sense that they don't have a Native American ghost show up and you know say boo, <laughs> but they don't even have pictures of Native American people, right? Like this this yeah. hotel is rife with native imagery. Right. Yeah, like patterns and artifacts. Right. They yeah. bring it up vocally, yeah. too. Yeah, they, they mention it on a couple occasions. I think the use of an axe is important, yes. too, as like a weapon. As a hatchet. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's no, not even a guy on a horse, not even some sort of noble savage trope, none of that yeah. shows up anywhere. And I think that that's really important, that Kubrick is drawing out this idea that the Native American cultures and countries and persons have been erased, right? This idea that they've literally been removed from American history and the American consciousness. And here in this movie that is rife with Native American tropes and patterns, it, there's no actual people, mm. right? That they, they don't count. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that I think is really important. I, I feel worst for uh, the Scatman character he makes he, that long, long journey. Yeah. He ties immediately. Yep. He oh, makes it like hour long <laughs> in the film, hour long in real life. Many. It's like multiple like days. Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, multiple days journey. Starting in 
Florida, <laughs> and so, landing in Colorado, driving from the airport to wherever they are. Five hours. Yeah, right, five, five hours. hour drive in the snow, and then getting on a cat, a snow cat, and driving <laughs> yeah. up to the thing, Dies. only to, to walk down a hallway and instantly get killed. <laughs> Die immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, and it really but, only acts as like a distraction to like save the white character, and to, <laughs> right? To give them the vehicle to escape, right? Exactly. Yeah, because it wasn't for him, yeah. they wouldn't be able to get out. Um, yeah. So he's like, you would have thought that he like would have like grabbed a gun or something, or yeah, he he yeah. knows he's he's psychic too. He knows what he's getting into. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why he does it. But um, he went unarmed. Yeah, that was <laughs> not that a gun would have saved him. No, because Nicholson just like pops out from behind the corner and gets him immediately. I, I feel like he should have planned it a little more. I he, agree. He that had time. That was not a great plan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I concur. He had, um, you know, like he told the guy to get him a. A cat, yep. right? Just say, like, and a gun. Like, <laughs> yes, a, yeah. a rifle. Uh, Maybe get be, a Kevlar, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. any of that. Yeah. Um, although an axe is going to go through Kevlar as easily as anything else. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that poor guy. Uh, although I, I like him in this movie. Like, I think that he does the... That, like, I think that he has that great moment at the beginning when he's talking about something or other with... Uh, with Jack and Wendy, and he does the slow head turn towards Danny, yeah. and like just stares him down, and like has his psychic moment with him. Like, that's yeah, really creepy. That is so good. That yeah. is so perfect. Yeah, um, I didn't like, realize what was really going on. Right at the moment, they're they're communicating telepathically. Yeah. Is what is going on. I wasn't yeah. sure if it was him talking to them or if it was like the building communicating somehow. A little. I mean, he explains a, it, a but like at the moment, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wish that he would have gotten a more noble end yeah. than what he actually got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, turning back to some of the, the thematics of this movie, um, I think it, uh, beyond just being a very specifically about uh, Native American genocide, I think that one of the tropes you brought this up when you were explaining the movie is that this movie is about history repeating itself. Right? Yeah. Is that the, the, what, what's going on here is that we have failed to learn from our mistakes and therefore make them again and again and again. I think that's uh, the biggest scene that I got out of this. Yeah, and I, think, yeah, I think that that is probably the most important one. Yeah. Um, and I think that you see it um, on, on several levels. Uh, when Nicholson is at the bar and he's explaining his, the moment that when he injured his son because he was drunk uh, to the bartender, it takes him all of 20 seconds to become angry, start blaming his son, start blaming his wife start making excuses and it sounds so much like and he's drinking again and he's drinking again <laughs> yeah so he's not quite literally not learning from his mistakes um and it sounds so much like all the excuses that people make for any historical horror committed by the united states yeah right that the native americans were violent that the west was expanded and progress was brought there that they were being uh, cultured that it wasn't their fault it was their ancestors that did it and Lo and behold, you're ignoring, you're not making amends for the bad thing you did, and therefore bad things will continue to happen to you. And it's good that you noticed that theme, because I too think that it is probably the most important message. It's yeah. also I, I like thought it was pretty like loudly telegraphed. Yeah, yeah. It's also like how domestic violence is rationalized, yeah. too. All the time. Which is exactly what this was a case of domestic violence, right? Like that is yeah. what was going on here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you see like it. like the second again. biggest theme in this one because, I mean, she's like very literally trapped there with him. Yep. Right? And that seems to be the case in a lot of real life relationships where they're not literally trapped but they're more metaphorically 
trapped right. in the relationship. You always say like, oh, you know, if he's so abusive, why don't you just leave, right? Right, but, but that, that's not how mental illness of, works. That's not kind of trapped in this snowbound hotel with them. Right. Yeah, and, it also begins with verbal abuse and then yeah. like ratchets. Ramps up. Yeah. Apparently that verbal abuse scene, uh, the, the first one, um, when he says like, that, when I'm in here, you're fucking stupid, don't come in and bother me when I'm working. Um, Nixon wrote that. Oh. Um, he, because he was drawing on his own experience being an abusive husband. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, I know how this works. Um, and yeah, he wrote that scene. That Those are his words, uh, which makes that even more troubling, I think. <laughs> but there yeah. we are. Uh, that was scary stuff. Yeah. I think he was scarier there than when he was chasing after her with an axe. I agree. Yeah. Like there was... Yeah, that is that is you a can see scene. you can feel the hate and anger bubbling right. underneath him. Right, and, and just based on, on nothing, right? Like, yeah. yeah, just because he is feeling insecure and yeah. and so forth. Because um, that's one of the other I think sub themes in this is you know, generational replacement, right? That that the, his his son is there to take over for him at some point. His masculinity is not f firm enough or intact enough to handle that. Um, and I think that you see that play out um, throughout the movie. And then, of course, the, the movie ends with the son killing the father, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, that's... Outsmarting him. Out, yes, outsmarting him and, and, and murdering him. Um, and that much, I think, is, is pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, I like the reveal of his writing. That yes. was for... Yeah. I, I didn't expect that. Um, you didn't? You didn't I, know about that scene before? I had heard of the line, but I didn't know the context oh, of it. Oh, wow. Or what movie it came from. So I was about I was gonna mention that so many references like became clear to me. In, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it's referenced did. a ton, right? Yeah. But a lot Most of them I the did not know were from this movie, like the Red Rum thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that's come up in like puzzle events, right? And yeah. I, I learned that it's murder backwards and yep. all that, right? But I didn't know it was from this movie. It is. Uh, or the all work and no play thing. Yep. I heard that referenced a ton. I didn't know it was in this movie. Yeah, I, I, that is stunning to me that you didn't know that specific scene, though. That's great that you I'm got to go into this right there. there. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. So right, that blew me away. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was terrifying. Yeah, when yeah. she's, all the pages, they're all written differently. Yeah. But With the all the, like, weird yeah. typos. Yeah. yeah, so the the um, secu or the rumor or theory is that Kubrick typed all that himself. <laughs> that wow. He just sat down and... Wrote it with all the typos and, in it and all the different formatting and yeah and for different languages right because they they um, the idiom doesn't translate that well in some language so they had to find equivalent. Uh, I did idiom. see a they post about it like that, but the translated times. ones yeah. Yeah. have different meanings. Right, and most of them were more akin to like the early bird gets the worm sort of thing, mm -hmm. which doesn't seem to fit this scene as well. Oh really? Because I, I, some of the translations I read seem to be getting more at like you shouldn't be working so hard. Right, there, there were a few of those too. Right, like because what, the, which is what that saying actually means. Yeah, in English. he has this kind of resentment to being engulfed in his work. Yeah, not which being is successful enough. Which is f bananas because you see throughout the movie that Wendy is the one doing all the work of the actual job of maintaining the hotel. Yeah, right. Yeah, like There's, he does nothing. Yeah. He does actual nothing. Yeah, she um, she does all the domestic work. Right. Right. And right. she's in the kitchen all the time. She's right. cleaning stuff. Mm -hmm. I noticed at the she's, beginning he, when they're yeah. giving the tour. He, um, he the guy's like, here, let me, let, me show, <laughs> let me show your wife the kitchen. Yeah, yep, turns, turns to the woman and <laughs> yeah. says, do it's you over want here. to go in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, she does. I mean, that's like a 70s problem. It, yeah, it is. And I think it's also Kubrick kind of making a point. But um, yeah. it's, yes, 
also a 70s, well, it's still a problem, but more so in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that, that, it's amazing to me that you didn't know about that going in. Because isn't that, because there's a big Simpsons. The Shinning. The Shinning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've not get seen sued? very much Simpsons. Okay, so. so there's a Halloween special uh, where they do like three little vignettes and one of them is based on The, the Shining. Um, and they reference that moment. Yeah. Um, they reference uh, Woody get a, or the guy getting axed um, immediately when he shows up. Yep. And they call it The Shinning because you don't want to get sued. Uh, and of course. The horse line is no beer and no TV make Homer oh. go crazy. Yeah. And well, that's what he writes over <laughs> and over again. Yeah. Well, even better, it's even better than that. He says no humor, no... Uh, Beer, no TV, make Homer go something, something, and Marge says, go crazy? And he goes, don't mind if I do. <laughs> and starts going Actually, crazy. Okay. Nice. And they set it up way better. Well, yes. <laughs> of uh, course they do. <laughs> Marge gets the typewriter, and she's concerned that Homer's gone crazy. Yeah. And she reads the typewriter, and it says... <laughs> Feeling fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, there's like a lightning strike. Yeah. And Homer is written on the walls, no beer, no TV, make Homer go crazy. Like, it's written everywhere. Yeah, which is actually kind of great. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. that's great. I got to yeah. see this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's um, a classic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, but yes, you're correct that this has been referenced all over the place. There's all sorts of references to the um, almost twins. Right, mm -hmm. uh, the two girls standing in the hallway out of nowhere that shows up all the time. I see a lot of the imagery all over. Guy. The Alamo yeah. Draft House has the carpet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I did not notice. See, that. I knew the carpet pattern yeah. before going in because I see a lot of references to it just in like discussions about designs. So I yeah. was very aware of the carpet pattern, and so I see it all over the place. Yeah. Um, I saw a post that it was referenced in uh, Toy Story a bunch. Okay. There are a lot of references to The Shining in Toy Story, so they have the pattern. Um, not in the exact like form here, but the pattern exists in the movie, and uh, there's a lot of references to the number two thirty-seven. Yep. In Toy Story. Yeah, and and the best thing about that two thirty-seven thing is that, like all of the theories about the number theories that I've drawn from that, the reason Kubrick picked two thirty-seven is because he was really originally going to do two seventeen. The the actual hotel was called the Timber Watch, I think, something like that. Um, Stanley. What was that? The Stanley. Really? Yeah. Like Stanley Kubrick? No, it's uh, <laughs> Stanley Steamer uh, built it. Oh, okay. But or Stanley of Stanley Steamer got it. built the hotel. Because okay. the, the, the room where he was really originally going to shoot those scenes was 217. The hotel asked him to change it to room 237 because there is no actual room 237 at the hotel. Uh -huh. And they didn't want people to like be afraid uh, of yeah, that yeah, room. Yeah, of course. So, okay. So the hotel is based on the Stanley, which is in Colorado, outside of Denver. Okay. I think they shot it in the Overlook Hotel, which is in Oregon. There's, it's actually called the Overlook Hotel? Or I thought they something. There's something in Oregon. Okay. Yeah, because I think that they yeah. changed the name. Because I saw a picture where the, the outside of the hotel was just like a set that they built. Yeah. The, well, there's, no, there's established. Yes, they did do that. They built a, sh a set, but that set is based on a real hotel and some of the okay. establishing shots or of the actual hotel, okay. yeah. apparently. That's the over, I think it's called the Overlook in Oregon. I could be okay. wrong. Uh, it's it's called the movie. Right. Okay, yeah. then it's not that. But it's something <laughs> similar to that in Oregon. But it's based on the Stanley Hotel, which is in Got it. Denver, or okay. outside of Denver. Well, because the yeah. name of the hotel in the movie is significant, because you're, you're literally overlooking Native American genocide. Yeah. You're overlooking mm -hmm. your alcoholism, your yeah. abuse, your sins. So, right. so I was in the Denver area, like, 
uh, I want to say like less than a year ago. Right. I remember and, when you went. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I visited the mm -hmm. Stanley Hotel, and they okay. very much embraced it as. <laughs> of course they have. Uh, yeah. Where the shining well, was. It. Whereas originally they probably were a little concerned. Uh, yeah, about right. It. Right. No. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, you go to the gift shop and it's like all yeah. shining stuff. Really. And like okay. you can get tours. Just pictures of Jack Nicholson <laughs> peeking through a door everywhere. Yeah. The right. Stanley never had a maze. They added one to the grounds. <laughs> okay. That you can now have. go in. Okay. Um, but it's it's cool and it's beautiful. And you drive up into the mountains sure. and there's nothing. Then there's this valley opens up and there's a little town and the Stanley's like sort of above this town. Overlooking it. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's beautiful. Okay. Right, because yeah. the, the actual hotel as mapped out in the movie is an impossible building. Right, like people have tried to like map where all these rooms are in relation to each other. watched the like YouTube documentary. Yeah. Um, like re they recreated maps of the set. Yeah. And talked about how certain doors could not possibly yep. lead to anywhere mm -hmm. and like how, yeah, basically a lot of rooms were where like there'd be a too thin wall for a room to be. Right, um, right. So it, and that was apparently intentional that they, they designed this building that can't exist. Uh, yeah. The other famous one is the where he does the interview, that guy's yeah. office. Uh, the, it's an impossible window. Um, the window that's very prominent in the shot right behind yeah. the guy uh, couldn't exist because it would have to be an interior office with right. all, all interior walls. Um, so yeah, you couldn't have sunlight coming in. Yeah. I don't think I consciously noticed any of this. And I can't tell if I un like subconsciously felt unsettled by some of the impossibilities of the building because right. now it's been revealed to me and I right like, right I mean, and, and that's there. I mean and that's what Cooper is he, he's not doing that so that we can point out after we watch the movie yes this building doesn't make any sense he's doing it so that we he's can like, yes it doesn't make any sense right so that we can kind of uh, you know feel odd about it but not understand yeah. why right yeah so um, King apparently was inspired after staying at the hotel and woke up with a nightmare in a scene very similar to how he gets woken up by Shelley Duvall. Okay. He said it was like the worst nightmare of his life. Wow. And then stayed up all night and by the end of the night had the idea for The Shining. Okay, interesting. Well, like almost fully developed. Interesting. Um, hmm. And then wrote it. Yeah, he's so one of the greats. his experience, yeah. For a reason. Yeah. 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 Uh, I did not know that. Bit of trivia. Because that, that scene with Nicholson when he d does wake up and like tells mm -hmm. her about a dream, he is... It, like that's, th that's the range that you, I think you see in this performance yeah. that he doesn't get credit for all the time because he's not just like a crazy lunatic all the time. Like he, he is genuinely right. scared to death. In he that shows scene. some fear, some weakness. In yeah, it's the only time you see it. Yeah. yeah, and like that, I think is really critical to this character being something more than crazy dude. Yeah. Uh, I also think I, th I spoke about this on an earlier episode, but. King and Kubrick had a very poor relationship <laughs> yes. because Kubrick would call King in the middle of the night from <laughs> England, right? Yeah. And yeah. King would be woken up and then have these like hours long conversations with Kubrick about yeah. meaning of God, about the afterlife, about <laughs> how ghosts, like if there are ghosts, like is there a God, like all these like right. things. Right. Um, I think one of them was, because uh, I actually looked into this after you had mentioned it. Yeah. One of them was about um, if if there are ghosts, does that mean there is no afterlife? And um, yeah. King says, well, you could still go to hell. And Kubrick says, I don't believe in hell. And that was like, yeah. his, that was enough for him. <laughs> Case closed. Yeah. Uh, and so he's so, like yeah. dealing with this, uh, like a manic uh, right, right. Kubrick 
<laughs> while he's shooting <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for a year. For a year. Yeah, so no, he'd be on call. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, it's maybe not that surprising then that, that King didn't have the uh, warmest feelings about the movie when it came out eventually. Yeah. Probably evoked some bad memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, I think uh, one of the other sub themes in this movie that is maybe not drawn out quite as clearly as the history and Native American thing is the conflict between image and words. Um, I think that we see that uh, in Jack Nicholson as a writer um, and as a person who communicates through verbally a lot, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to Danny, who we see uh, watching TV all the time, not talking that much, having to, when he does talk, having to communicate through this other figure. Um, pictures on his shirt all the time that are absent um, in Jack Nicholson's uh, wardrobe. And I think that, that that's something that Kubrick has been interested in in the past, uh, the difference in the divergent paths of, of image versus word, and him being a filmmaker, obviously, siding with the image. Um, and I think that it's present. Versus King, whose characters are writers. Yeah, and who is obviously a writer himself. Um, yeah, many, yeah. many of his characters are writers. Yes, yeah, and write what you know, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that you, you And see, alcohol abusers or drug right. abusers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think it's, like, I think that comes to a head at the end of the movie where you have Nicholson in the phase, um, lost, confused, right. unable to understand the image that he saw earlier, and then finally losing his words, mm-hmm. where he's just bellowing like an animal until he dies. Um, and so I think that that is not drawn out as clearly as the history themes and the Native American themes, but a part of the movie and something that uh, Kubrick was conscious of when he, when he, when he made the film. Um, like just that his, mm-hmm. like his break, like the, the moment when he really, we know that he's gone over the deep end is communicated with sheets and sheets and sheets of the written word. Right, like that is the moment that we know something is bad has happened, uh, and then just all there are there are a lot of um, intro shots or uh, establishing shots of Danny watching TV. Yeah, you see that all the time. Um, so I watched for it more here, and I, I saw more of it um, in this viewing. But yeah, I don't know if that's something else other other folks have picked up on. Seems I'm, to me, I did not. Did not. Yeah, okay. I did. That feels I like so a maybe very I'm minor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fair. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but um, I. Th- it, it feels uh, present to me uh, in this one. Yeah. I can see it. Right. So is this a, a recommend, Charles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Say yeah, that like say was so. a silly like it was a silly question. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not too scary. After after it was over, I thought, oh, maybe that wasn't so bad. And then <laughs> I woke up at like 5 a.m. and <laughs> uh, started thinking about the scenes in the movie yep. and uh, felt kind of creeped out. So that was a little unpleasant. But it, it turns out my room was just a little too warm. I just had to turn on the air conditioning. There you go. Crisis but, averted. Uh, it, it sucks to be alone in a pitch black room thinking about The Shining. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that's true. The, the, yeah, the yeah. zombie lady is on, that's always the, gets me. That yeah. is the moment for me, too. I, like, I, I wanted to ask about that because yeah. I'm not sure what the meaning of that imagery is necessarily or if it's just meant to be unsettling. I think uh, it's like the house is like sort of seducing him. Because she starts off as like very beautiful, right? Yeah. And then once he embraces the house, it, it reveals itself to be this rotting flesh, yeah. right? But now he's he's been seduced by he's it. He's in it, and uh-huh. he's he's stuck. Yeah. 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 And I I think I mean not to be trite about it, it's also about America, <laughs> right? Like it's here is 
here is the picture of America that is presented to us as you know the land of the brave, home of the free, whatever. And it's seductive, and it's something that we want. But when we under, understand the truth of what America is, we flee from it, right? Because mm -hmm. he doesn't just, you know, embrace the horror. He once he identifies the horror, he runs away. He locks the room, and he never comes back, <laughs> right? Yeah. And insofar as that represents truth, I think that's the response that a lot of Americans have to their country's sins. Mm -hmm. um, to run away, lock the door, and never look at it you again. Just try not to think about it. <laughs> right. Put it away. Right. But later, like, he knows that it's, like, the house. Because right. like, the bartender yeah. says it's, like, it's not his idea. There's, like, it is the hotel that's, like, asking him to do these things. Right. Well, And, and does he want to? Yeah, it, yeah. Once you know, you can't unknow. Right? Yeah. Like, once you understand that this place, whether it's America or the hotel, once you know that there's something rotten about it, you can't stop knowing it. And if you don't work to fix it, they're unreconcil unreconcilable ideas, and it drives you mad. Mm -hmm. Right? You can't. You cannot hold in the same time the idea that America is a just beautiful place where good things happen to good people, and it is also built on slavery and genocide. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you can't put those together. And if you try to, you'll go mad. And you know that's why this country is insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the reveal of him being like in the picture at the end of oh, the film. So good. That was <laughs> very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously. But and there's so many ways to read it, right? Like there's yeah. so there's so much. It's very ambiguous. Uh, meat there. There's apparently yeah. another shot scene that's been cut since yes, then. Yes, there is. Where uh, they're like in the hospital afterwards. Right, and there's something else bizarre that happens. I forget because the film of it, it it's apparently it's screened for like a week, and then they switch to the current ending, and there's just no copies of that mm -hmm. earlier edition that mm -hmm. anyone knows about. But the screenplay still exists, so we know what the script said <laughs> for those scenes. And I wish I could remember because I saw notes on it when I was researching for today, and it was something about like there's some other weird thing. Like the guy shows up and says, "Oh, we didn't find any any dead bodies there." Yes, that's what it was. Was so it? Okay. They don't find a frozen Nicholson. Like these, oh, like God. yeah, these like uh, cops. Okay. Come and tell them that. Right. Yeah, um, they they didn't find a frozen body. Right, and eventually that, that is <laughs> that yeah. that was cut. Um, okay. So one too many rugs to pull out from under the yeah. audience, I guess. Yeah. Do we, oh. do we still have time? I want to talk about how beautiful this movie was. Very. We got a couple minutes. Yeah, do it. Because like. I don't know, I just love Kubrick's like visual style. I think he may be like one of the closest artists to my exact like aesthetic preferences. It's a good pick. That's why I keep feeling so captivated by his movies. Um, but there's just so many beautiful shots in this movie, I might not have time to talk about them all. There's like the intro where you're flying at this like yeah. single island and then past it and you have all these beautiful scenery shots. You have when he first walks into the hotel and it's kind of this one shot walk where he walks to the interview room. Mm -hmm. uh, you have all these long sweeping like right to left straight shots when they're walking through the Colorado lounge, mm -hmm. um, which are just amazing. Um, you have all these like front on shots of people walking toward the camera. Yeah. Um, when they're walking down a hallway. These just all look so wonderful. I just love how they look. Um, there's the set design, because like, the rooms are so beautiful. 
Um, there's the aforementioned carpet design. Even in room 237, it has its own distinct design yep. and, and color coordination, and I loved how that looked. Um, there's the shot of him writing in the big room, and it's just the shot from behind. You see this gigantic room around him, and you know, there's just something very insane looking yeah, about with that. With a very distinct American flag. Like this mad king in yeah. his castle, just by himself going insane. Um, so many of these beautiful like visual yeah, well, and that I love. the the use of that gold color in the gold yeah. room offset with when they go into the bathroom and it's red yeah it's i wanted to bring that up too i <laughs> love how that bathroom looks i mean mm. if you know me you know i love red right yeah. and that bathroom is incredible it's so good i love how that room looks and yeah. it's like this kind of I mean, it's supposed to represent when he really snaps and becomes really bloodthirsty, and so yes, obviously it's exactly. like this very deep red room. Um, but like, I just love how it's designed. Like, and I want a bathroom that looks like that. <laughs> a bathroom where you could amazing. plot a murder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like he's that set design. He's, he's, firing a, on also he's a master of like symmetry. Yes, yeah. like a lot of the scenes. I love are, me some symmetry. Yeah, yeah. Very I, symmetrical. I love that the twins are not quite twins. Mm -hmm. Right, like the two little girls are dressed the same and have a very similar facial structure, but are not identical. Right, like so, it's this. It it's about duplicity, both in the sense that we are seeing duplicates, but also in the sense that we are being dishonest. Yeah, and uh, I, that I think is a really subtle touch uh, mm -hmm. on his part. Um, also, the uh, bright red elevators. Yeah, because uh, I mean, you see the like blood like pouring out of them, mm -hmm. right? But then. When you're moving around the hotel, you're always seeing them pass by when act the actors are walking around the hotel. You yep. always see them uh, on the side, and so there's that kind of unnervingness because you know what has come through those elevators in the past. Right, you know what they're holding back, right? right? Which is the blood of slaughtered Native Americans. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, just one great choice after another yeah. uh, for Kubrick. Uh, but anyway, I think we're close to our hour. Uh, next pick is yours, and it has to be a horror movie. Yep. What are we What are we watching? Uh, I'd like to do a different film. Well, I wouldn't want to watch the same one again. <laughs> uh, well, thematically different. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'd like to watch uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, okay. the original, yep. the 1984 version. The, the there are many, many sequels to this film, but right. This is like go the, back to the OG. The, the Genesis horror text in a lot of ways. One of the yeah 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 this. for like the 80s styles slasher horror yeah. Yeah, this is one of the big ones. So yeah, I think it's important that we watch this movie. Is this the one with Jason? You'll find out. <laughs> um, anyway, thanks. Sarcastic. Oh, okay, you, you did know. Okay, got it. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Also, we've been getting a lot of really great, great comments lately um, on our posts. So yeah. thank you to everybody that's been commenting. That is, uh, it just makes the whole process a lot more fun. On Facebook. On Facebook. Yes. So uh, please continue doing that. Uh, we love to engage with the audience. Um, yeah. And your comments have been really insightful, so thank you so much. You've been adding to the show. Yeah, if you search for movies Charles hasn't seen on Facebook. Yeah, that is that is where we are. Um, other than that, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week for Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs>